Hey, what's up, man? What's up, player? Hey, uh, I got a piece of paper right here, and I want you to say what's on it. So uh, go ahead and read this for me. Bro, why are you like this? <laughs> Just read it. Aaron earned a nine earn. What? Aaron earned a nine earn. That's not what it says. Let's try it again. Yo, that's what it says. Aaron earned a nine earn. No, it says Aaron earned an iron earn. What's up with y'all? Look, that Baltimore accent you got. Let's try it one more time. Nigga, that's what I said. Aaron earned an iron earn. All right, fine. Fuck it. Let's start. All right, y'all, welcome back to the Morally and Intellectually Ingenuous, Sometimes Disingenuous podcast, where we talk about morally and intellectually ingenuous, sometimes disingenuous things. Last episode, I had my pro fight, Chris, a.k.a. One Lake of Chris, a.k.a. Mr. Bionic Man, a.k.a. the man that threw his leg at us when we was online. But if you want to learn more about that story and more, you know, go uh, check out the last episode. It was called Faith, Resilience and $16 Butter. You have to go listen to it to understand where the butter came from. But anyway, really Who dope episode. Sixteen dollars for butter. New York people pay sixteen dollars. Ain't butter. no fucking way. <laughs> nah, yo, honestly, I ain't gonna lie to you. That really made me think about Dean Tillman when that nigga would send us to the store to buy Lando Lakes butter from the fucking deli, <laughs> fridge, like a normal person, Bruh. Um, this uh, heavenly voice y'all hear right now is my man who I have on for this episode. Now, <laughs> I've known him for some yeah, I've known him for some years. I can promise you this episode will be genuine, but I can't say it'll be a hundred percent genuine. You know, I gotta you know keep it uh, keep it exciting from here and uh, here and then. So uh, that's Alex, my boy Alex. I've known Alex for God damn man, um, it's been over ten years, bro. Yeah, oh, yeah, over ten years, over over ten years. Um, you know, he uh, went to the shore. He's a little older than me, but uh, I'm gonna talk about the first time I met him, which is uh, one of my favorite stories of shore memories. But I've known Alex for a while, and you know, I wanted him to come on here. You know, because in all honesty and all jokes aside, I respect him. You know, I always love seeing black men out here doing the thing. You know, he's successful, educated, uh, and uh, he's also a father too. And I always love. Uh, it's a shame that we live in a society that we're so, you know, uh, uh, indulging in black men being fathers as if it shouldn't be a standard. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, it is taboo sometimes, but I definitely appreciate him coming on here and, you know, gracing me with his presence. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate you having me, bro. But before you say that story uh, real quick, the crazy yeah. thing about black men and fatherhood, my nigga, it's like statistically black men are more involved in their kids lives than the media or people really put out there and i mean the only thing only thing about it is as a people we've been so fucking brainwashed to think that black men are bad and all black men are the bottom of the barrel type shit and we ain't shit and whatever the fuck else and people buy into that rhetoric or that narrative and so when people buy into it so much when you keep hearing something you start to believe it you know yeah. what I mean, so so, and then some people, and I can't even hold you. Some people, in their experiences, their their uh, baby daddies or their kids' fathers aren't really involved. But that's not the majority. That's really a minority. But yeah. then, yeah, you know I mean, the crazier thing about it is 
that statistic is only focusing on black men. It ain't talking about no other race that got fatherless kids because let's keep it a buck. Black men ain't the only ones out here saying fuck them kids. It's white people, Asian <laughs> people, Mexican people. And I mean, people yeah, all around man. from different ethnic backgrounds are saying fuck them kids. It's not just us, but but neither say it's more black men than any other race that are more actively involved in their kids' lives statistically. But continue. No, man, you're you're definitely right. It's funny you mentioned that. Um, damn, I didn't know we was gonna start off. I thought we was gonna talk about some ratchet shit at first, but you know, it's all good. You know what I mean? No, I, I mean, listen, <laughs> we can you, talk you about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it's funny you mentioned that because I just uh, you know cracked open one of my favorite books. It's called um, "The Miseducation of the Negro" by Doctor Carter G. Woodson, mm-hmm. and uh, it was written in oof, way before we came along in 1933, I think. And he basically, you know, talked about how not just black men, but black people uh, were or are. I mean, I know it was written damn near 100 years ago, but at the time he wrote it with the mindset of uh, black people being culturally indoctrinated rather than taught in American schools. And, you know, he kind of goes really, really deep into it. Um, But one of the my favorite excerpts out of the book is he talks about, you know, a man, how uh the the detrimental effects what happens with the detrimental effects the consequences when you know a black man's mind is controlled and it's crazy you bring that up because i actually have it like earmarked right here and i'm gonna just go ahead and read it and uh it said he elaborated when you when you control a man's thinking you do not have to worry about his actions you do not have to tell him not to stand here or go yonder see yonder it, this book is old as hell but <laughs> <laughs> he will find his proper place and will stay in it you do not need to send him back to the door he will go without being told in fact if there is no back door he will cut one for a special benefit his education makes it necessary in translation basically what he is saying is that alex is right you know um, <laughs> alex, with, is right. alex is very right <laughs> alex is very right basically what that excerpt is talking about how you know the media and i i'm a journalist i work in journalism and alex couldn't be even any more correct is that like they do control you know what goes out on the airwaves but with the media and all these other things you know it can poison one's mind into thinking a certain narrative like what you were talking about a few minutes ago being um you know, uh, conditioned to thinking one thing, but like Dr. Woodson said, you know, you have to break down your own door to knock down the stereotypes, you know, um, and black men being fathers is definitely one of them. Don't get me started talking about literature, man. I'm also, uh, reading again, the narrative life of Frederick Douglass. And he kind of talks about that, but this, this is not a book podcast. Maybe one day it will be. <laughs> but uh, I definitely appreciate you saying that, man, because you couldn't be any more right. It's like, you know, when I have y'all on here, y'all being, you know, black men, you know, who are fathers, like, you know, people reach out and like, oh, my God, I loved how he talked about his kids. I'm like, well, I appreciate it. But there are a bunch of people, a bunch of black men that, you know, love being dads. And it's just, you know, unfortunate the way the media is. And they just show like, you know, it's the same thing with the prison pipeline. You know, they yeah. talk about, uh, you know, why so many they talk about black men being locked up. but They're not talking about the racial and systemic with well, the systemic racism as to why they are. Um, you know, so, I mean, hell, man, we can go deep into that. We'll talk about fatherhood in a little bit. Uh, but I want the folks to know how I met Alex. 
Um, story time. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a long story, but I'm not going to go into the whole thing. But I remember as a freshman, uh, I had another roommate uh, that was from Baltimore. He shall remain nameless. And this whole situation was completely my fault. Like, you know, I'm 32 years old, too old to be take not to be taking accountability for things. Hell, I took accountability for it back then. But it was a miscommunication with uh, me and my then roommate. And I kind of like sort of messed up. You know, I blew up the spot for him. And uh, so he was pissed. I never forget. I was sitting at the, uh, I was sitting at the, the Popeyes that was down the street from the campus with one of my boys. <laughs> and uh, this man who shall remain nameless called me pissed off, yelling, screaming, man, what the fuck? And I was like, damn. And I was like, damn, that was my fault, you know. And so, you know, I was like, damn, I got to live with this dude. You know what I mean? I've never been the type of person to have bad blood with anybody. There's not one friendship or person I may have dated or one job I may have worked at that I can't go back that they won't say highly, highly good things about me. So, you know, I don't like having bad blood with people. So I said, all right, man, how can we fix this? So he was like, man, fuck, we ain't no fit. We ain't fixing shit. So I remember this deep voice comes on the phone. Yo, what's up, yo? What's up, yo? And I was like, who is this? And he was like, this voice was like, yo, this Alex, yo, this Alex. And I was like, all right. He goes, hey, man, come to the student apartments, 1030 tonight. Click. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, yo, this is college. Like, this sounds like some type of gang or something. Like, what do you mean come to the, you know, and I'm a freshman. I don't even know what the student apartments are. So a, I'm with my boy. Like you, was, you was like online real quick talking about that's how it was <laughs> that's, that's how it was so uh i get I, I had my boy with me because i didn't know what was what was going on you know and so i knock on the door and it was alex and my roommate and uh you know he wasn't as muscular and toned as he is now um but that, <laughs> that was when you still had dreads man Damn, that's a yeah. <laughs> that was that was that's when you still had dress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, and uh I remember uh Alex was like, yo, man, look, we're gonna squash this, we good, da da da. And it, it all ended up being cool, man. And we were we've been cool ever since. You know what I'm saying? And it's one of those friendships, man, that like we may not talk every day, but if we catch each other, you know, with a homecoming or a cookout, it's like, yo, what's up? Matter of fact, um, all love, yeah, hundred percent. This past homecoming, when you met my lady Morgan, the first thing you said to her, you said, "Hey, you cool, but what's your plans for my homeboy?" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, 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 we uh, we uh, we 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 we've been locked in for a while. You know what I'm saying? So I'm definitely honored to have him on here, and like I said, I admire him on everything he's accomplished. But he's on here to talk about. You know things he's accomplished and uh, his story. So, uh, what's up, man? No, nah, yeah. man. Um, shit, yo, that's a throwback. That's a classic ass story, dog. Like, yeah, cool heads prevail, man. And then, <laughs> and then you say, "Damn, you see me at homecoming?" I definitely did press down on your shorty. Asking her what's your intentions with my home. <laughs> Like, who father am I right now? What the fuck? Let, let me let me make it clear. You're the first and probably only person I've ever seen do that. So, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I be, I be doing that shit jokingly, yo, but, like, when I do it, it's like, women always be like, you know how a dad does that to a, a dude dating his daughter and shit, yeah, I mean? So when I see a girl dating one of my boys, whatever, and I ask that question, they be like, what the fuck? That's not <laughs> <happening."> <laughs> 
<laughs> and I, I find it so funny to catch them off guard with that. Hell, nigga, you caught me off guard. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Mission accomplished then. Man, life is a beautiful struggle, yo. That's how I describe it every day. A beautiful Why you struggle. say that? Beautiful struggle. Hey, Joe, in the words of To Live Quietly and J. Cole, it's beauty in the struggle. Like, yeah. it's no matter... I, I try to always look at life like no matter what situation I'm in, there's always a positive silver lining in every negative situation, no matter what I got going on. So that's it's why I'm true. like, it's a beautiful struggle. It's true. Um, yep. Like, so for example, yeah, I mean, like, uh, so I'm a school counselor now and I'm personal trained on the, on the in weekends and show on the side with my, with my own business and my own LLC. So, um, but my day job is a personal, as a, as a school counselor, I've been doing that going into four years now, right? This is my third year at my at the same school and um, starting my fourth year, I'll be at another school. And it's no fault of my own that I'm leaving. And it's very, and like, it's a sad moment for me because I didn't want to leave and I wasn't looking forward to leaving because of the bond I created and the, you know, the safe space I created for the students at that school. But, you know what I mean? Shit, shit is out of my control or, well, not really out of my control, but um, it's certain shit I'm just not going to deal with. Um, like, so basically mm-hmm. so what happened is my principal, um, she fucked up the budget being a dickhead in the beginning of the school year <laughs> and okay. just, just being very blunt about it. And so her fucking fuck up the budget. We had a meeting back in April where she told me, hey, um, so I'm turning your position into a, a 0.5, meaning a part time. So the way that works in the school system is if you're a 0.5, then for you to get in a full paycheck, you got to do the full capacity of your job at two different schools. So wow. I would have been a school counselor doing everything I'm currently doing at this school at another school with a whole different caseload of students. And I'm like, but for the same amount of pay, I said, ain't no fucking way. So my, op- <laughs> yeah. so, so, so my options were to, you know, go to the, like stay there and work another school for the same everything or, uh, um, or, you know, like find a school that has a full-time position open and, you know, and put my bid in. So I told my supervisor at the district about what she was doing and what was going on. And so she wound up telling her old boss, who was now a principal at a school, who actually is my old school counselor. So Shorty called me like, hey, Alex, I heard you uh, you, you try and have a, a new location. What's up? Come, come to my school. I got an open space for you right now. And I was like, I didn't even have to really interview. Just straight like, oh, you called me. You the principal. You want me there. I'm gone. And it's so. plan, man. And so that's what I mean by, you know, uh, life is a beautiful struggle because like even in that negative situation where I'm like, damn, it's, I don't want to be at two different schools doing the same thing and, you know, not receiving what I'm worth salary wise. But then, um, you know, I'm going to a new school with a bigger budget, a better location, you know, a, a, instead of me being a school counselor for a middle and high school by myself, I got an entire team with me of like eight more people. And like, you know, I actually have a, a long standing relationship with the principal of the school. So, you know, she's not going to take it easy on me or give me no slack or no cut me no slack or whatever, but she's, she, she's going to make sure I do my job, but she's also going to look out for me and make sure I'm getting money. And so that's the silver line in that situation. Like I'm going from, you know, this situation over here to a bit of a uh, actual, a lot better of a situation. Um, and I'm getting a pay raise. So I'm, you know, I love it here. 
That's uh, yeah, that's God's plan, man. Now that you're talking about that, you know, if you don't mind me backing up for a little bit, with you being uh-huh. a counselor, um, I, yeah, I, I'm just an old radio guy, man. You know, I used to teach a little while ago, but uh, and I mean a little when I by a little while ago, I mean a long ass while ago. Right. <laughs> but uh, so what type like what have you like? I guess gain aside from you know the uh the the bs with the supervisor and changing your position you know the the because you obviously do it for a reason you do it because it's for a passion i assume you know dealing with kids um you know what's 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 come of that like dealing with the kids you know so honestly man um that's all right so it's crazy um because at you and me as my my initial major was computer science world business and then okay. I changed it to sociology because I'm like, you know, while I'm good with technology, and I like I like, you know, technology or whatever. I love helping people a lot more. And looking at my story from how I was in growing up in high school and just my childhood, and my upbringing and everything like that. I know for a fact that if I didn't have the right people in my corner, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Like mm-hmm. we me and you would have never had met type shit. Um, mm-hmm. So. Um, so me being able to help out not only people that look like me, but help out, you know, people in general who come from the same struggle, the same background that I came from. And, you know, to show that being able to show them that, yo, there's a different side of life that you can go down. Like, you know, Baltimore ain't the end all be all like this is a small ass city compared to the rest of the world. Right. You know I mean, and and so being able to help them see different shit and like open doors and open their eyes to different opportunities that they could have, um, you know, like you can't help everybody. Everybody's not going to be open to the change and, you know, what you are from. But being the fact that I can help out some and I've been able to do that in my three years of me doing this job. And I feel blessed. Or I feel like I'm where I need to be. You know what I mean, and yeah. it's crazy. It's crazy to think that about me helping students with this shit when, in fact, me being from where I'm from um, in Baltimore, like West Baltimore City, oh, I got homies to this day. I can go around my old, where I grew up at on Poplar Grove. I can go around there right now, and my homies to this day that have not left Baltimore City. Yeah. And I'm I'm 34 now, man. You know, like my homies from childhood are still on that block, a bunch yeah. of them, and yeah. they haven't left the they hadn't they have not left Baltimore City at all, let alone the neighborhood ex- exactly like. Matter of fact, best analogy, yo. You ever see? You ever watch Hey Arnold? Of course. You remember Stoop Kid? <laughs> stoop Kid never leaves the stoop. <laughs> Them niggas never leave the block. <laughs> I'm is. sorry. I, I, I'm sorry, though. That I, I didn't see that one coming. You know, I'm I'm pretty usual. I'm, I'm pretty open. Uh, you know, the curveballs, but I didn't I didn't see that mm-hmm. one coming. That's that's hilarious. <laughs> but um, that's nah, hilarious. man. No, nah, you're, you're definitely right. And, you know, you're talking about the kids, man. You know, I was just talking to my dad about this, you know, because I was talking to him earlier today. And, you know, he's, man, I'm caught in traffic. It was some type of accident. And it ended up being it was some kid that carjacked some woman and he crashed running from the police and, you know, he died. And, oh, you know, yeah. I started thinking about like, man, like these kids, it's not it's not how when we were growing up. Like, don't get me wrong. Like we were wild, you know, Um wild wild but it, it's it's just a different i don't know what it is you know you I, i'm not a parent you know i've been away from the school system for a while so you know i know you're way more of an expert you know on 
I mean, hell, you're a counselor, so you can speak more on it than I can, which you have been doing. But, you know, I just think about some of these kids and like, you know, how lost or how hurt, you know, I mean, they may be. And, you know, I hear this. I'm always conflicted, man. And, you know, feel free to chime in on this. But I'm always conflicted, you know, when I hear about kids, you know, wilding in the street, no matter what ethnicity, what, you know, race, whatever, white, black, whatever. And then, you know, there's always that one person or people who say, man, where the parents? And I'm like, you know, that's a very hard argument to have because, you know, I grew up with some kids, you know, who didn't have the best home life. But I also grew up with kids that grew up like I did. You know, my parents be together 42 years this year, you know, and. Yeah, man. And it's like I grew up with kids, you know, who had loving households, but still decided to go out here and wild out. You know what I mean? And it's Mm -hmm. like, man, someone, you know, people. That's why I commend you, because like someone has to change the narrative. You know, Um, it's like I was recently interviewing for a job, you know, that had to deal with like racism, discrimination or whatever. And, you know, I I told them, uh, you know, the best type of person to 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 be in that seat to deal with those type of things are ones who have witnessed it who have experienced it you know so um when you talk about your old neighborhood man you know what i mean it's 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 sad you know what i mean when you when you see guys people that you grew up with you know and they still kind of just they're just they're just existing you know what i mean yeah. and you know it makes you more grateful for uh you know for for making and overcoming the odds that you overcame you know what i mean yeah, for real. And, um, you know, now that you bring it up, it's crazy because, like, yo, like, so I've been trying to get my homies down. Like, some of them I'm talking about, like, yo, pull, just pull up on me. Yeah, I mean, like, my chapter, we have been a, you know, my chapter have our annual cookout. Yo, come to the pub, you know, get, have some drinks with, eat some free food, you know, don't eat some school supplies. Be around some, some chicks, yeah, I mean, some college chicks that, want to shake ass and have a great fucking time and you might right. take one home you right. know what I mean? like like <laughs> yeah like i'm like i'm trying i'll be trying to expose niggas to different shit like yo my best friend from childhood i try this nigga is this nigga hasn't even rode in my car before and i'm like i got my car his brother his bro his nephews have all got a ride with me before like just like just a joy ride up around the you know up and down the underpass or on the highway or whatever just like yo he oh shit he got a new car he got a charge this shit fast as a bitch let me see what this shit hitting on and i'm like yo come on come on cuz oh get in the car he's like nah man i'm gonna stay on the block yo i'm like nigga what <laughs> but, um, you know it's uh man I, I think i gotta pull this card you know um i feel like speaking for black folks um that mentality goes way back to the cotton picking fields, you know, Um, you know, the institution of slavery. And, you know, I I didn't mean to get, and I'm not for a disclaimer. I'm just a very avid reader. I'm not, I don't consider myself woke. I just consider myself, you know, of, uh, of, 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 of company of highly intelligent minds like Alex, (laughs) you know, I don't like the whole woke thing, but um, when you say, you know, things that happen like that, you know what I mean? Oh, no, nah, I'm going to just stay here. I'm going to just stay here. It's like, you know, I mean, that's that's sort of what Juneteenth was about. I mean, I know it's just passed, but, you know, in Galveston, Texas, there are historical documents that say slaves didn't want to leave because this is what they were used to. You know what I mean? They were the ones. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's kind of hard to watch. 
Solomon, uh, it's about Solomon Northrop, Twelve Years a Slave. Uh, There's a book. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, it was a book first. I, I want to get the first edition one day. It once uh, it's ten thousand dollars, but. Uh, one of these <laughs> days, I'll, I'll be able to get it. But for right now, I just watched the movie. You know, Solomon Northrup, you know, very wealthy, successful man. He was a uh, he was a musician and, you know, he was kidnapped into slavery for 12 years and he could not. He talks the movie didn't really talk about this, but the book talks about how he could not understand how slaves just were content with this, how they just were wanted to stay here. Even if they were given freedom, they wouldn't know what to date it because because they were conditioned to it you know um same thing with prison that one scene yeah. life you know um with martin lawrence and eddie murphy you know where what was his name biscuit uh yeah. where he got his he got his he got his walking papers and like he didn't want to go because this is what he was used to so you take that mentality and you fast forward it into now same thing it's like this is what they're used to i was riding with one of my best friends the other day you know and uh he matter of fact he'd been on here too my boy trevor and i met him when we were washing cars over 10 years ago and you know we still know some guys that are there and mm-hmm. we're having this conversation where it's like you know i'm doing my thing trevor's doing his thing he's successful and it's like man you gotta want better you do you know you gotta want that. better mm-hmm and like seeing you brought up the whole uh institutionalized concept and i was really about to say which the whole slavery mindset is another um uh, like it's modern day slavery with the institutionalization of people like right. if you I, like you even see it in uh, it's depicted in a bunch of movies like even on some funny shit like um do you remember the don't drink your juice in south central <laughs> the wayne brothers joint like yeah. you know what like and what the fuck is that nigga named scruncho like he had the fucking he pulled out a, a shank and was like poking that bitch up like he was still in jail. It was like, bro, like, don't get me wrong, the shit was funny in the movie, right? Because like the way they the way they depicted it, like it was funny as hell because he was shanking. Right. Um, it was like some food. I'm like, you did that right now? Or like, you know, or and I forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, but like, and or even to the that like speaking on that mindset. You know, like like I was talking, going back to like telling you like where I grew up at. Um, like I was in college, man, like undergrad, and I came home for this for I think it was Christmas break, you know, my sophomore year. And there's this girl named uh, Alicia that lived around that that ain't seen me in years, and she seen me say, "Oh shit, Alex, what's up? You grew up, you got big, and what you just came home." So I'm, and I looked at her like she was crazy. I'm like, "Why the fuck is the mindset of you ain't seen a nigga in a minute that he?" Was in prison or in jail? Right. Like I was in. Why? Right. Why is that the mindset? Like no, nigga, I was in college. Like I was, like, like I was reading books and doing homework. Right. Like, <laughs> man, and that shit, that 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 shit is crazy to me. That that was the first thing came to mind is, oh, you was locked up. It's it's what's also sad, man. Now that now that I'm thinking about this, what's also sad with this when it comes to our folks, and this is not just limited to black people. You have white folks that you know are content with a certain life they live. You have Hispanics, you have people of all ethnicities, but, but, you know, Alex and I are black. So we're going, we're going to go, we're going to ride for our people first. Um, you know, another thing I'm thinking about how like this lifestyle is, is bragged upon, like it's something to be proud of, you know, what exactly? Let let me, yeah, yeah. So, Um, so, and I really wish people would kill that narrative because honestly, like, if you like, all right. 
if you really from the hood, like I mean the hood hood, I mean like you from the hood where you walking around not knowing if somebody going if a group of niggas that you got beef up the street about to come up on you and jump you type shit. You don't know if you won't get shot on your way to school in the morning. Yeah, you know I mean, like you been caught in a few drive-bys, like you done sold some drugs trying to make ends meet because mama didn't have it, and you walk like you might have had water for dinner one day. Like, yo, like if you're not from the hood, you don't understand this shit. And if you don't understand yeah. this shit, this ain't nothing to glorify. Yeah. Because ain't nobody yeah. that's in the hood living this lifestyle or have lived this lifestyle, no one would ask for this. Right. Right. And looking and, at other cultures that I mean or other groups of people that's like, oh, they want to imitate what they see, you imitating the positives of shit. Like you're imitating the like the the style of clothing and the 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 dancing and the slang and you know like the, what what makes the shit cool what makes it pop what makes it a good thing like the positive aspects of black culture you're you're you want all of that but you don't want none of the negative shit side effects that come with it yeah yeah straight up and again you know that goes back again you know back to the plantation days frederick douglas talked about that when he was still a slave he was a kid and he can remember that slave it's a lot he one of the plantations he grew up on was pretty much what equivalent to what Candyland was in Django. Mm. <laughs> it was called the great farm and you know it was so big that other plantation owners would operate on that plantation and he was saying that as a kid he can remember other slaves bragging about their masters and he would he can remember conversations like you know he would see his own people fighting each other because they mm. got offended that oh my master's better than yours my master's better than yours and this was something to be proud of and something again this goes back to the miseducation of the negro they were conditioned to think like that you know and you think about it today it's just like oh that's nothing to be proud of and it's like you know i can give you a different <laughs> Not, perspective man like you know you being where you from me being where i'm from i didn't really understand you know the dynamics of like being in the streets until after i graduated and what i mean mm -hmm. by that is you know i grew up in a very suburban area so i can remember as a kid i mean sorry as um after i graduated um i was uh doing big brothers and big sisters, you know, in Southeast or were with my dad where he grew, used to grow up. And, um, you know, I mean, they done tore all that down, Barry farms and all the other stuff. It's all pretty much just a wasteland now. But, um, there was this one kid that I had, his name was Jeremy and he lived in Sursum quarter, which is also condemned for a while. But I remember a really good kid, you know, and, um, he was always late to the, to the program that I was helping to teach. And, you know, mm -hmm. I'm a very punctual person, you know, being online taught us that. Uh, so, like, I was, like, very hard on them about being on time. And he was always late. He was always late. And, you know, I wouldn't, like, you know, I'm not an asshole, but I'd be like, man, what's up, man? Why are you late? But one day I kind of, like, was dealing with some shit because this is when I was in law enforcement at the same time. So, you know, I was kind of bringing that job to this, to this, what well, wasn't a job, but to this mentorship I was doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I said, Jeremy, you late. What's up, man? And he kind of just goes off and he kind of like breaks down and was like, man, you don't understand. I was like, what don't I understand? You know what time you got to be here, blah, 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 blah. And then this kid, 13 years old, ends up telling me that he has to take a bus route all the way around the city because the shortest way to the rec center, if he took that way, he would probably be killed in another neighborhood. 
Mm. You know, and you know, me being from where I'm from, that was like the first real, I guess you could say it was plenty of them afterwards, but that's the one I can remember the most. The first real culture shock of damn, some of these kids like they, they, you know, you just dealt a bad hand. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, but even at that, it it's still, you know, when you get to be of, of of mature mind, it's still nothing to be proud of and nothing to brag about, you know, on topic, but off topic. I don't know if I should, man, fuck it, whatever. This is my shit. Uh, so, like, <laughs> talking shit, dummy. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's like, I ne- I used to narrate books, audio books, a long time ago. I retired from that. But I remember I narrated this one book called The Black, uh, uh, it was it was written by a dude named uh, Kenny Rich Fulminant and New York Times bestseller. And it was a book that he wrote. I think it was his first one, actually. It was called The Black Plagues. And it was about issues that plagued the black community. Hmm. And he was talking. I never forget one of the chapters that were in it. He was talking about reality television. Right, bro. Bro, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I think I just lit a fuse. <laughs> Yo, I agree go ahead. with that. Oh go my ahead. god. So, so, uh, oh my god. So, all right. So, we talk about a lot of shit. So, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. Bang, 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 bang. All right. Hey, they, they, um, they talk like you said. Talk your shit, player. <laughs> <laughs> but no. Um. So, what your old mentee was telling you? That's some real shit. Because I even experienced that growing up. Like. I grew up in Poplar Grove and Riggs, right? So Poplar Grove, like this is a one long ass strip, and um, I know you're not from Baltimore, or you know I mean you probably you probably never seen it, so you probably won't understand. But if you got any mm-hmm. lessons from Baltimore, they should know what I'm talking about. But mm-hmm. Poplar Grove, um, it goes to Emerson and Poplar Grove, where it really ends at, and goes up to North Avenue and Poplar Grove, and that's where it ends up on that end. So me being from like on the street, like in the middle of Poplar Grove, if I went on Emerson of Poplar Grove, there was beef. Mm. Like I would like we and the crazy thing is like we all went to like everybody from these different areas. We all went to school together, like elementary or middle school or whatever, like maybe sometimes even high school. And us being from different neighborhoods, like we wore different bandanas to represent what part of the area we were from. And if I walked to get some food, if I walked to the supermarket, if I walked past my fucking school to go and to going anywhere past my school going to an Emerson Poplar Grove, there was problems. Mm-hmm. It was all it was it was like it was so that shit is real. You know, early when we was talking about what like with parenting, like where the parents at and shit like that. Sometimes the like at least nowadays, the parents that we that we are asking where are they, they are our peers. They are, you know, our friends that we grew up with, the kids that had yeah. kids. And mm-hmm. so um, one thing I learned in school is that when you have kids early, um, like, 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 let's say like when we, you're a teenager, you're a young adolescence. Yeah. You know I mean, and so when you have kids early, you skip a stage, you go from young adolescence to straight to adult, young adulthood and adulthood, but somewhere in your life, you got to hit all your stages. So you're going to revert back. Mm-hmm. So so them kids that had kids, like they out here, um, you know, they try and they try and have a life too. They try and be young and in the clubs, they try to do all the shit they missed out on because they had Joe Little ass. And so these kids who probably ain't got the best guidance at home, but also at the same time, um, it's not all about the parenting styles. A lot of it has to do with what influences them, with their peers, their their interests, what captures their attention. 
Like you got kids out here today that will like, you know, like let's say for example, like growing up, you know, we grew up on like hip hop, like Nas, Jay Z, Eminem, Busta Rhymes, um, fucking uh, B2K, and you know, NSYNC and all them, all them, all them different, you know, acts and shit, right? Three Six mm-hmm. Mafia and shit. We we grew up on a plethora of different <laughs> yes, things. Three Six Mafia to this day is still my favorite rap group. I feel yes, right sir. I thought they had. I promise you. But um, uh, but like we we grew up on a plethora of different shit. Where, um, for a lack of a better term, we grew up listening to the drug dealers. These mm-hmm. kids go, are growing up listening to the drug users, and that's a very that's a, good point. That's a, that's something that a lot of people don't think about. Like, yo, think about how many kids walk around. And, and you don't work at schools no more, but there are uh, plenty of kids that walk around in schools. They come to school high. They come to school late because they had to get high before they came to school. They are addicted to drugs by age 12. And it's not because their parents were drug addicts. It's because what they see and what they think is cool is getting high and being drunk and being ratchet and all that shit. So they, in turn, want to go do that shit. And they hang around people with like minds. Like, yeah. I do I, I tell people all the time, like, listen, if I'm going to date somebody, I can't date somebody that smokes. And it is very hard for me to find a woman that does not smoke <laughs> weed. Like, and I'm, I'm not even going to hold you. I'm not even going to hold you. Like, like I smoke hookah. I do drink. I eat edibles from time to time. I'm cool with that. If that's what you do, I'm cool with that. But sitting around, like, smoking cigarettes and weed and black and miles, I, no. Sniffing coke lines, no. Like, I just... No, no. Yo, it's crazy. Yo, it's crazy to think that I know people that sniff coke. <laughs> like no bullshit, bro. I went to Atlanta, right? right. I swear to God, I, I went to Atlanta one time with my with my man's in them, and I seen this chick, and like I had a few shots of tequila, so I was feeling real sexy. And I pulled up on shorty. I said, I said, baby, I don't know if I told you, but you was the sexiest piece of chocolate walking on this bitch right now. And then like, and she was drunk and shit with her friends, but I was being a gentleman. I walked into the car, I got to talk to her, yada yada. Up in the car, she gave me a number. We got to talking, and I'm like, "Oh, you live in Delaware? I live in Baltimore. All right, bet yo, we can link up. Yeah, you know I mean, we can try to make some shit shake." So one day we had time to kick it, and so I drove to Delaware, spent the day with her, and I'm like, "I gotta be back. I gotta be, um, you know, I gotta be up in the morning, at like six in the morning for some other shit. So I'm not staying the night." She kept trying to get me to stay the night. We went out mm-hmm. to eat. We had something to drink. She kept trying to get me to stay the night. I said, "I can't. I left like two in the morning." We had a little bit of sex and, and <laughs> it's a little bit, not a lot of it, just a little bit. <laughs> like, this is just, just enough to say that we did it, but I, I couldn't, I really couldn't stay the night. So I, I left and she was upset that I left, but I, I kept explaining to her that you know, I really had to go. But Shorty was low key annoying me because she kept talking to me in social media. Like every other word was it's giving, it's giving, it's giving. And, and yes, and all that. I'm like, bro, what the fuck? <laughs> But keep in mind, Shorty is in law school. She's she's okay. a flight attendant. She's in law school. She just right. took a uh, leave because she's in law school. All right, bet. So we talking, and I'm telling her like, hey, I'm going down to Houston with my cousin for his birthday. You are more than I asked him if you want to slide. You are more than welcome to come. You know, you're a flight attendant. Um, so you already said you can get a free flight. Yeah, you know I mean, uh, I already got the hotel set up for us. You only got paid for this shit, like. Like, I, I'm thinking, you know, we already had sex, and I'm thinking you come down, you know, like, we gonna be out booed up or whatever, you gonna be booked bait for the weekend, we definitely fucking while we, while we here and all that other shit, and she was like, and so she tells me, you know, like, I asked her about, like, she told me about her ex, her, ex, her past relationship, and she tells me how, you know, in a past relationship, she could be herself, and she felt really at ease, 
because her and the ex-boyfriend could do drugs together. And I'm like, what kind of drugs? Because normal people, when they say they do drugs, like, oh, yeah, we can, we can smoke together. We can, you know, whatever. Nah, she was like, they, them two would sniff coke together. And I'm like, oh, shit. I said, oh, shit. I said, I said, hold up. Do you still sniff coke? She said, occasionally. I, said, I literally text her a paragraph of red flags. <laughs> and, she, and she was laughing. I was like, I'm dead serious. Like, yo, like, if you, I'm like, I'm like, so would you stop? And she said, for my husband, yeah, but for a nigga I'm just talking to, no. I said, all right, then it was nice knowing well, you. Well, uh, you know, I've never been the mathematical genius, but that doesn't make sense. How is it that you won't stop for the guy you're dating, but you'll stop for your husband because eventually you're gonna have. To, so I guess you you go cold turkey today at a wedding, or like you know what? Man, look, I don't know what her logic was, but I wasn't. Whatever her logic was, that shit wasn't for me. <laughs> it was not. And so, and then she tried to shame me. She was like, "So, so you're okay with prostitution, but you're not okay with hard drugs? Make it make sense." I'm like, I said, "Baby, me and you already had sex." And, <laughs> And no matter what it was, like we we fucked for like at least twenty minutes before you said, "No, nah, we can't keep doing this because you know it's your first time coming up." Whatever the case may be, we <laughs> fucked already, right? We fucked already, and there is no transaction here. There is no, hey, I got I got eighty dollars with your, I got forty dollars with your name on it. I got eighty dollars with your name on. It. Whatever the case is, like I'm not saying come over here, get this money, suck my dick, and then take the money and leave. <laughs> I didn't say none of that. So this is not prostitution. This is me trying to spend some time with you on a good weekend and have a good time in Houston in another state. You said you don't yeah. want to because you expecting me to fly you out and pay for everything, and I'm not doing all that. I'm not. <laughs> I, I already, baby, I already, I already told you that I got the hotel and you can get a free flight. I don't know why you expecting me to pay for your shit. <laughs> but but anyway, I'm sorry. But back, back I, I, I just have that. to tell you, I I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a sucker for a good story, dog. Like I really nigga, am. <laughs> man, nigga, my my life is a movie. I got so many stories. Oh um, man, well, well, I definitely want to hear some more before we get up out of here. But I don't want you to lose your thought talking yeah, yeah. about uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So but back to the whole thing. We're uh, talking about um reality TV. Yeah, right, man. Bro. I, I just want I want to before you start, man, I actually want to get your opinion on like a few things in one. Uh-huh. Um, you've heard of it's like, you know, when some type of female artist or whatever, you see something on the movies or music or whatever. And okay. like there's a narr- there's a group of people that say, oh, man, uh, this is for kids. Y'all, you need you, you, your kids shouldn't be watching this. There's so many debates that come from that. So I'm asking you, you know, someone who deals with children for a living, kids mm-hmm. for a living, and you're also a father and you're a millennial. So it's like asking your opinion on what do you think of that statement? And reality TV is included in that too. I mean, we were told the same shit, Joe. Right. And, and I really feel as though, you know, people got to move with the times and adapt. You know what I mean? Like, best example I always say, or I, I like saying with this shit, is when it comes to women, you know what I mean? Like back in the day, uh, women who were video vixens or video models, whatever, they were seen as degrading women and they were low and all that other shit. Now girls be twerking for likes on Instagram. Yeah. Or, you know, even back in the day, the nastiest of nasty hoes was sucking dick. Now girls, <laughs> su- now girls got here sucking dick like it's a sport. And... <laughs> 
<laughs> and but that goes to say that yo, like there is so much access from technology and the media today. Like yeah. there is so much open access for kids to see everything. Like it'd be kids going. I'm sure you've seen it on social media somewhere where these kids going to prom and their proms look like a fucking club dress. Like yeah, you know I mean yeah, yeah, I seen that too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was like all like their prom dresses, like they was half naked, you know, titties out or really pushed up or asses out and shit. And they was on Instagram live at prom, just like shaking ass. And I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Like, I ain't never seen y'all acting like this. But, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but yo, like, like I said, you know, like while some things remain the same, a lot of things change. And as we get older, like, we're like when we were kids. You know, we was listening to our version of hip hop and R and B or whatever, and they was our parents were like, "Oh, y'all know real music, Earth, Wind, and Fire, and the the Delphonics and them. They're real music." And now we looking at them like, now we looking at these kids like, "Yo, y'all know real music. Y'all know who Jay Z or Nas or uh, I mean J Cole and them is, but y'all know who the fuck Lil Pump is or <laughs> or NBA Young Boy, and all their all this music sounds regurgitated." Yeah. I got this car. I fuck your bitch. I fuck that bitch. I smoke too many drugs. <laughs> I get so high. I I ran. I did. I I hit a lick. Um, you know, I I I. Oh, he ate my ass. Oh, she she sucked dick. <laughs> it, it's it's so much shit that sounds the same. You're right because it's like I can remember talking to my grandmother who's 82, and I remember she told me when Ray Charles first came out. There were a lot of people that talk about him, how we're talking about the younger music now, which is insane. Right. You know? and he's a fucking and, legend. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? And I think it was his song. Um, uh, let me tell you about a girl I know. Oh, oh, ho- hallelujah. I love her. So, you know me, you know, uh-huh. uh, this is that shit. And uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, he's just talking about this woman. But the big thing about it is the reason why because i ended up reading about it like why was it such a this song what because he wasn't married you know what i mean Mm. in that generation before him you're like oh this is this is this is an abomination this is sinful and this is i mean hell you've seen the movie when he was saying that and then those people came and he was mixing it with gospel type music so it's like even back then and it's like you know but i'm with you man like like there's got to be a limit you know what I mean? This got to be a yeah. I think for me, I'm pretty open-minded. You know what I'm saying? I'm pretty like, all right, man, whatever. You know, before I met Morgan, like, I met some chicks that was into some wild shit. You know what I mean? And, like, I was just like, oh, okay, cool. You know, they ain't like you. I mean, they ain't really for me, but I never really, you know, was like, oh, man, she did. I think the first time, and maybe one of the only times, but the, definitely the first time where I was like, wow, is when that WAP video came out. And... <laughs> I don't know if it was just because maybe I was older or, you know, all my friends, you know, I mean, hell, you even said it before we got on here, man, you old man. I don't know what it is, but even at that, I was like, I think it wasn't, let me, let me rephrase that. It, It was no different than the tip drill video. You know what I'm saying? It was no different than none of that. I think what got me was the access to it. You know what I mean? When we grew up. Oh, yeah. Because WAP, WAP came on like radio. And it was on YouTube. And re- dog, this is like shit, nine in the morning. I was watching yeah, this. Right. You know, and you I think. It, bro, that was on BET Uncut at like two in the morning. <laughs> exactly. Yo, I should be asleep. Well, you should be asleep. So, like, you know, I'm always for, you know, free expression and, you know, artists doing whatever and whatever. But 
it's I think what gets me now is like you kind of said is is the access to it. It's like, wow, I can remember, you know, when I was in law enforcement, you know, I was working with one of my homies, man. We were on post together. He was going off. And I said, yo, James, you good? And he was like, man, man. And he goes outside and he calls up somebody and I just hear him cursing him out. And I worked overnight. So I was like, man, you got to be somebody got to be get get you pretty amped up to be, you know what I'm saying? Yelling like that at three in the morning, you know? Yeah. And he was on TikTok and he saw his nine year old daughter with her friends twerking to some song on TikTok. Nope. nope. I you know, my too. And he he I don't know who he I I don't know if he I I'm pretty sure he was talking to the mom like that. He was so mad that I just didn't even bother him. You know, we carry guns and shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I, I didn't I didn't want to I didn't want to agitate him even further. But like you know, I remember like he like he had two phones, and I remember he slammed one phone down on the table, and I happened to you know be me being the nosy intellectual I sometimes am. I kind of like peeked over. And I was like, what's on the phone? And I saw these little girls twerking. I was like, yo, what was he looking at? Like, cause I'm starting to look at him. Like, I'm like, what are you looking at? Mm-hmm. And then I found out that was one of his daughters, you know, and it's, it's just scary, you know, with, with the technology these days and, you know, and it's, it's going back to the bragging part, you know what I mean? To be like proud, you know, I'm always, I, I, I do feel like pride isn't always a bad thing. You know, I'm sure you're, you're proud of your son. You know, I'm I'm proud of the people that are closer to me, but it's like the one thing I don't understand is and I definitely want to hear one more of your ratchet stories in a minute. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the one thing I don't understand with us, with with our folks is that, you know, say a young black man gets gunned down in the street by a police officer. You know what I'm saying? Protest, protest, protest uh, today. You saw what the Supreme Court just ruled down about ruling out yeah, affirmative bro. action. Yeah. You know, in colleges, protest, protest, protest. Um, you know, Black Lives Matter, protest, protest, protest. But <laughs> when I see certain television programs or like, you know, things where it's making us look it, it's incontrovertible that, you know, there's someone higher than us that's making us look like buffoons. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And like but oh yeah that's my girl yeah you see that nigga yeah that's my girl and it's like i just don't like picky it being christians do it with the same thing with the bible and i'm a christian you know what i'm saying so Mm -hmm. like they pick and choose you know what they want to be outraged by and it's just like i don't understand that concept and the last thing i'll say you know before you take the mic back is it's like one time (laughs) it's a few years ago and uh you know i I kind of stopped talking about my old story since meeting my lady now, but you know, she'll be all right. Uh, <laughs> I remember, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember I was having a conversation with this young woman. This is New Year's of like 2017 or something like that, and maybe even before that. And I remember I was talking to her, black woman, and she was, we were, she kind of already got on my nerves because she was trying to like debate me on like a conspiracy versus conspiracy theory. And like, I just, you know, you're, you you know, you're, I know you know the type of people that think they know everything. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And like, they were, they were already turning me off with this and like that whole argument turned me off. And I was like, all right, this is somebody that just likes to argue. You know what I mean? I'm like, I just not something I do. I'll, I'll debate the hell out of anybody, but like, you know, arguing, that's not something I like doing. So she, referred to herself as a feminist. 
Mm-hmm. So I said, okay. I got a story about a feminist. Remind me about feminists. Oh, I, I definitely will. I definitely will. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. Okay. All right. You know, that's cool. I said, and you know, feminism, I said, but I'm assuming you mean black feminism, right? Because it's completely different than white feminism. No, it isn't. And I just said, oh, yeah, it's not. <laughs> so she goes, I said, oh, okay, you're a feminist. And I just left it at that. And I never forget. She goes, I am against the object. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm against the uh, a sexual profiling against women. And I agree with that. I do. You know, um, this ain't the 40s no more. You know what I'm saying? Women are, are killing shit right now. They're not made to be in the kitchen or just laying on a bed like it was 50, 60 years ago. It's 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 a completely different day and time, you know. So I definitely agree with that. She was like, I'm not for, you know, the sexual exploitation of women for the, well, I started getting annoyed when she said for the for men's consumption. I'm like, dog, it's it's a lot. It. The sexual exploitation, it, 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 everybody gets poisoned by it. You know what I mean? It's not just men, yeah. like, you know what I'm saying? So she goes for men's consumption. I said, okay, all right. Mm-hmm. That's, so about 20 minutes later, she's talking. And I said, yeah, man, you know, what you doing for New Year's? And she goes, oh, I'm going to a Cardi B concert. I said, you doing what? <laughs> so she said, I, I just, <laughs> I said, you want to a Cardi B concert? She goes, yeah. I said, oh, and I guess like my face said something because I verbally didn't say anything. And she was like, what? And I was like, oh, nothing. Like I said, I'll be chilling. You know what I'm saying? So and she was like, nah, nah, nah. You got something to say. You got something to say. And I think at this point, I reached the phase of figuring out why this person was by themselves. But whatever. Um, So I said, well, you know, I just find it very ironic, you know, that you're going to a Cardi B concert considering the sexual exploitation of women you're against. Now, do I have an issue with do I have an issue with Cardi B? Absolutely not. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely not. I don't like how people fantasize about, you know, certain celebrities and think that stuff is real. That has nothing to do with Cardi B or anybody. That's not their fault. Do I have an issue with Cardi B? Absolutely not. Do I respect her story? Absolutely. I think more people right. should watch interviews by her cuz she do she does drop knowledge on a lot of things. You know, that's not my issue, but she is some. she's Cardi B. You know what I mean? She talks about what she talks about. She does what she does. And that is her brand. That's her business. That's what she does. No different than what you do for a living or what I do for a living, you know. But where I was confused is that you say that you're against the sexual exploitation of black women, but you're literally paying money to go see someone sexually exploit themselves, a black woman exploit themselves. Right. You know, it's like when you're in a debate with someone and you say something that they just can't come back from. Now you all types of bitch ass niggas and all this other shit <laughs> or whatever. I don't understand the conception of with well, yeah, the conception of that. I don't understand how it's like, you know, you can be for something, but when someone does it to you, you're offended by it. So now, so what I was going to say is like, it's the same concept of how a lot of women do shit or say shit that like things that benefit them. Right. Like the, the whole, it's, it's basically a lot of double standards and hypocrisy. Um, so for example, uh, you know, a woman will say him like, you know, like the new thing today is women say a man is a provider. He's supposed to pay for all her bills and do all that other shit. But when it comes to, or so like you want, so you want a man that's going to be traditional in the sense of 
he goes out, makes the bread, and he pays for all the bills and takes care of you and all the other shit. But then when he comes home, ain't no meals cooked, house not clean, the kids running around, you ain't did shit all day. I mean, you want to be a stay-at-home wife, but you don't want to do stay-at-home wife duties. Like you can't, you can't have it both ways. But I'm not gonna get all that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping um, you didn't, because that'd be another hour and a half of talking. Yeah, it's already yeah, past my yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I seen your face. Like, oh Lord, this nigga. No, I ain't do that. <laughs> no, no, no. That's no, not um, what I looked at the time, and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I know. I really just, I, I'm, I like. I'm not gonna get into it. I just really just like the the no the new dynamic of men and women today really just is bothersome, and that's why everyone's out this bitch out here just trying to get what they can get out of people when it's not the same as, as the dating pool is trash but anyway <laughs> um earlier you was talking about being proud of the hood and being proud of the streets and everything and me personally as somebody who's been on both sides of the spectrum being proud of the, being proud of where you came from is one thing and being proud of making out making it out from one situation to a better one is another thing hmm. being proud of being labeled a gutter rat being labeled ghetto and you know uncultured and all that that's nothing to be proud of like be proud of the positives that you create out of your bad situation hence there's beauty in the struggle um i mean so be proud of that kind of shit but don't be proud of all the negative stuff and that you want to embody um and that's like i said that's why we got a lot of kids out here now that really um, they they don't gravitate to the shit that parents are teaching them because being a hundred with you, there's parents out here that are more so being their kids' friend than their fucking parents. Yeah, so, man. So so like like I'm dealing with like as a school counselor, I deal with parents who you know they run up on students like, oh yeah, you got a problem with my son, you got a problem with my dog, what's up? You want to fight? What's up? And I'm like, what is wrong with you? You a damn adult. And these, but these, but they're not. I mean, but it's nothing that uh, that I should be surprised of because these are the same parents who showing up will smoke a blunt with their kid and act like nothing's wrong. Insane, but um, man. I can't even yeah. imagine. My dad didn't even let us have water guns growing up, bro. Like <laughs> it's, it's just like I can't even imagine that, dog. But I do know what you're talking about, though. Yeah, you know, and 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 you know, and you know, like like we were talking about earlier, you know, with the kids growing up in different different um cultures or different settings or whatever. Like you had your dad in the household, but I didn't. Yeah, you know mm. I mean, but but this is where it comes into play about your interests and what appeals to you and what you gravitate to. Cause like I grew up in a hood and I mean, you grew up in the County, but yet we both wound up going to college. You both wind up graduating. We both wind up, you know, getting careers and being successful mm-hmm. in our careers. Right. Mm-hmm. Two different walks of life, same destination. Right. You know I mean, and for me, it was, it wasn't that I had somebody there to tell me to do this shit. It's like, yo, I want more than what I'm exposed to. Like, yeah. I don't want to be, I don't want to be like, all right, crackheads everywhere. You know, every corner, every, every two blocks, I see a Chinese store, a carry out, uh, a church and a liquor store. I want to see more than that. Like, I know the world's bigger than what I've been exposed to. I want to see more than that. I deserve more than that. You feel mm-hmm. me? And a lot of kids don't feel that way. A lot of them feel like they're trapped because their parents aren't teaching them that, yo, it's more out here than what you, what you've been exposed to. You like your, your circumstance does not have to be your lifestyle. And a lot of them don't, um, don't understand that you can be proud of where you come from or proud that you made out of a situation, but don't be proud of, you know, the, the lifestyle that you live if everything in your lifestyle is negative. Don't be proud of that shit. Be proud of turning a negative into a positive. There's, there's also a flip side to that coin, right? 
that also I feel like is an issue in the black community is elitism, you know, and we just talked about, you know, how black folks, you know, are proud of some black folks or as my folks would say niggas uh, or (laughs) would be proud of a piss poor situation they're in. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, this is what, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the other side of the spectrum that I also can, that I have very much uh, a, a dislike towards are black folks who have made it out, but now they think they're better than the ones who haven't. Elitism is a is a very toxic thing, I feel like, in our, in our community. Um, you know, me and my lady were just having this conversation the other day. You know, she's... Uh, she's pursuing her second masters at George Washington this year. And uh, she's going to all PWIs and she's from Forestville. I mean, I know you're from Baltimore, but you know, Forestville is, yeah, (laughs) she's she's from there, but you know, she went to Penn state, she went to university of London and then now she's going to pursue her second masters at George Washington. Um, And I remember we were having a conversation the other day about, you know, her, the for lack of a better term bullying sometimes that she gets from black people who went to hbcus right Mm -hmm. and they think that because you know a black person went to a white institution that they're not as good as if you if like you and i went to an hbcu and you know you and i both greek and you know i'm not sure about your experiences but in my experiences you know i have met people who black folks you know what i'm saying who maybe have not gone to college or you know who may have not you know pledged a black greek organization and mm-hmm. i can feel that they feel like they're less than you know and they're like oh well, i didn't do that oh well, i didn't do this you know and it's like i feel like when i get that type of tone it's my job and it's my duty really to make them know, to let them know, it's like, look, man, I ain't nothing special either. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just the road that I decided to take because, you know, I can't stand, you know, I, when I was teaching, I had a, I think she was like a vice principal or something. And I was wearing a, um, a uh, UMES shirt. It was like, you know, dress down Friday or something. And yeah. you, she looks at my, I never forget it. She looks at my shirt and she squints and she goes, university of Maryland, Eastern Shore. What right. is that like? The Satellite College of University of Maryland. There's a black woman now. I said no. It's the, it's an HBCU. She goes, oh, I'm sorry. I wouldn't have. No, I bullshit you not. She said this. She goes, oh, I wouldn't have known that. I went to Yale. And see right there. That's, <laughs> that's I I think I think that bothers me more than the former. What we were just talking about, you know. Um, because black folks who are probably in a bad situation, you know, poverty or whatever, whatever have you, you know, a lot of them were dealt a bad hand and they don't know anything outside of that. Like, you know, you made the stoop kid analogy. He didn't know anything outside of the stoop, but these, these, these uppity niggas we talking about, or as Malcolm X would call them, the up on the hill Negroes, uh, (laughs) he, he, well, it's a long story why he called him up on the hill Negroes. But anybody who's read anything he's written wouldn't understand, would know about that. But 
uh, with, with up on the hill is pretty much translates into bougie. What we what we say today, yeah. and you know, he talked about where like the neighborhood that he grew up in, like there was a big hill where all like the quote unquote successful black people lived. So these black people, you know, they would be wearing their furs and their jewelry and you know they'd be bragging about where they live but whole time they were janitors not there's anything's wrong with that but they were janitors they were dishwashers they had actual jobs but because they had jobs you know you gotta think about this back in the this back in the 40s in in in, in harlem like this it was a different time back then this yeah. is before he went to prison and so you know he was talking about how you know, just because these black people had jobs, they looked down on black folks that didn't. So you translate that now into 2023. It's we're dealing with the same problem. You know what I'm saying? You might not have dishwashers or, or janitors, but now we have black folks, you know, who are running companies, which are great. Uh, you know, we have black folks who who run who own their own businesses, which is great. We have black educators like yourself. We got black journalists like myself, you know, and but now the the these type of groups are looking down on the black folks you know what i'm saying who uh may have not had you know a chance like you know we did then when it comes to that whole elitism thing as a people when we feel like we've made it we do things that the white man does because we are quote like we are you know historically disenfranchised and the things that we see white people can do, we like, oh, we got money, we got resources now, we can do those same things. But then when you do those same things, those white people who have always had that shit, they look at you like you don't belong here. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And then like, so, you know, like to go back what you're saying with the college and shit, it can go either way. Because people at PWIs look at people at HBCUs like, oh, I went to a PWI. Like, like nigga be like, oh, I went to Towson. Or I went to, UM, I went to UMBC. Yeah. Or I went yeah. to University of Maryland. And be like, oh, and nigga, I went to UMES. I went to Bowie. I went to Morgan. I went to Cabin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they be like, oh, you went to HBCU? Yeah, da, da. But then you also got to think, like, and when you said that, it instantly made me think. When I was in undergrad, about to graduate, and I was talking about going to get my master's one of these days, one of my Kappa League mentors told me, yo, don't go to an HBCU to get your master's. Go to a PWI because it holds wow. more weight. He told me that mm. another black man told me that and he went to, he went to Hampton. Um, and so I'm like, I'm thinking like, OK, well, let me weigh my options when I'm ready to go to grad school. So when I'm finally went to grad school, I looked at school counseling and what schools offered it. And Bowie is where I decided to go. Mm -hmm. And so and it's and for me, going to Bowie was a great decision because while I, I i was it was another hbc in maryland it was way less expensive than john hopkins was and um and it was k crep accredited and so it, so um for those who don't know um there are certain accreditations with programs for colleges where if you don't have this shit, your degree does not fucking matter so mm -hmm. So being that my program was K Crep accredited, that means like, you know, my shit is nationally recognized as a counselor's program that I can get a job anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so and, and it reminded me of like when I was in high school, because like I went to, when I was in high school, I went to one of the best high schools in Baltimore City, which was uh Poly, Baltimore Polytechnic Institute. And that was like my 0304 school year, but I got put out 
And when I got put out, I wound up going to my zone school, which was Southwestern. And the thing is, you know, a lot of people wrote me off after that, right? Mm-hmm. But they wrote me off, and I'm like, yo, outside of the extracurriculars like engineering class and the different foreign languages that Poly offered that Southwestern doesn't offer, it's literally the same core, the core classes and all the graduation requirement classes. It's literally the same curriculum, right? Literally mm-hmm. the same curriculum. The difference is I got people at this school that are willing to help me when I say, yo, I need help. I don't understand some shit. Whereas though at Poly, like I vividly remember going to coach class for algebra. The algebra teacher was sitting at the desk with his feet up, texting on his, his phone <laughs> and had 10 desks together with five books in the middle and told us to sit down and figure it out. But at that same out in that same algebra that I needed help in, I went to the teacher at the school. She sat down next to me, helped me do the shit in my face, then went to the board, helped me do some shit. We said that for like an hour and a half. And but man, that same that same curriculum, just because I had the assistance that I needed, I graduated third in my class. You know what nope. I mean? And and so I'm like, and then the people that went to poly, I look at them, most of them from the class of 07 either didn't go to college or didn't finish college mm-hmm. or niggas don't even know where the fuck they at now so yeah. i could say you mean like i'm like i don't look at um superiority when it comes to, like hbcs and pwis because ultimately the the goal is the same thing you're gonna get this paper and you're gonna be good now i will say in certain fields they are gonna look at where your, your paper your degree came from but like in bro in education in my school my field like the same education that I was about, to, I could have got at John Hopkins for an extra 10 bands a semester or 10 to 20 bands a semester down there. I got at Bowie. And as soon as I grad, as soon as they, as soon as they heard young black man and the school council and the profession about to graduate with his master's, I got four different, di- I got PG County, Anne Arundel County, Baltimore City, Baltimore County, all tried to draft me. Every That's last dope. one of them. Like I graduated in I graduated May 17, 2019. By June 20th, 2019, I had a job. And by nope. July, I was starting. Yeah, man, man, I uh I wish journalism worked like that. It's a cutthroat yeah. industry, I'm in. <laughs> but it, it it's like goes to your point though, and it's like, yeah. Um and that, and I guess that's that's the that's the grand conclusion I'm trying to make or coming to is like, you know, us is 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 African Americans. When I see black people, it's like again, it's it's you know when when Frederick Douglass was talking about you know the slaves arguing which mass is the best, and it's like at the end of the day, like whether you know you brag because you went to this institution or you brag because you went to that institution, you know the folks that's really running shit. I mean, it's like what Jay Z said, you know. Just, still a nigga like you know what i mean i mean you're not but to the eyes of people who are who who run things you are and yeah. you know i can remember uh kind of going piggy, piggybacking piggybacking off of your story it's like you know being a, a historian in arlington cemetery like i as you probably figured out by now i'm a little you know i'm a small sucker for history and mm-hmm. um you know I remember it, it. It's when I started working there. They they have a 
class, your your historian class. Um, and it, it, there's a lot of technical shit that goes into the historian title. People are like, oh, you need a PhD to do it. Like, no, well, if you have a bachelor's degree with five more years in historical studies, then you don't. But if you have zero years, then yeah, you do need a PhD, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, but anyway, so, you know, it was a training class or whatever you had to take, and it was 24 people. I was the only black person. There were white women, white men. And the trainer, uh, he was an old white guy named Garrett. Mm. Talk like this all the damn time. Like, that's what he sounded like. <laughs> and But this dude was a walking encyclopedia, one of the smartest guys I've ever met. Um, and I mean, he would pull history out his ass. I remember one time I was in the break room and he was heating up his SpaghettiOs or some shit. No, no, no. He was, he was, oh, Spencer, it's a true story. He goes, uh, oh, Spencer, what you got to eat for lunch today? And I said, oh, man, you know, just Subway, you know what I'm saying, some water. He goes, oh, yes, I'm eating beef ravioli, uh, Chef Boyardee. Did you know that Chef Boyardee actually catered President Wilson's administration? Uh, Like, and he starts going in. I, shit, I didn't like, nigga, how do you know this stuff? But anyway, <laughs> I remember during the training, he was super hard on me, right? Yeah. Always calling me out, always picking on me when my hand wasn't raised. And, you know, uh, it's a lot to the trainer, but they, you know, if you have anybody's ever been to Arlington, Arlington is almost an 800 acre cemetery and you pretty much got to know that place like the back of your hand. And, you know, I, I, I thought I bit off a little bit more than I could chew. You know, when I started there, I was a little intimidated, had imposter syndrome. I was like, damn, I thought I like history, but this is a lot. And so, you know, Garrett, he would always pick on me. You know what I'm saying? Like people would raise their hand to answer questions. I'm in the back. Oh, Spencer, what do you think the answer is? And God forbid I got it wrong. Oh, you should have known that you, it was all that for six weeks. Right. And I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not one of those black folks that pulled a race card a lot. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I know what racism looks like, but I was kind of like, yo, this dude might not like black people, you know, (laughs) but at the end of the, of the, of the course, only four people finished, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or dropped, <laughs> as you know the the language we would use. Yeah. And uh, so I remember he pulls me to the side, and he goes, "Spencer, uh, I know you th- you probably think I was a little hard on you back there, huh? The last couple of weeks." I said, "Nah, nah." He goes, "Oh, don't bullshit me. You know I was." And I said, "Yeah, yeah, just a little bit." He goes, "Well, I have to be honest. Why?" And now this was a man who would brag about him being a descendant of General Robert E. Lee. So, like, (laughs) he goes, well, I've been doing this history thing a long time. I've I've worked in this cemetery a lot, you know, a lot of my years. And I just know, you know, you're one of the most intelligent people, young people I've ever met. And I know there are going to be a lot of people that come to this place that look like me that are going to be looking at people like you and expect you to not know anything. I'll never forget that shit. And he goes, I just want you to be prepared. You know, you're going to get a lot of, you know, subliminal racism thrown. He he gave it to me raw. You know what I'm saying? You're going to get a lot of subliminal racism thrown at you and a lot of, you know, racial innuendos. And I'm like, that shit ain't going to happen. Nigga, the first day, (laughs) right? The the first day day, I'm by my, I'm, you know, I'm doing my tour thing. I'm talking. It's a screw. It's a, it's a, a group of 109 people, right? Mm. Scared as hell. You know, it's one thing being on the radio like I am behind a microphone in the studio by myself. It's a whole nother thing having 109 faces looking at you live. 
So, you know, we're going through the cemetery and we're going through section 27, which is my personal favorite section. That's where a lot of uh, uh, more, all, all a lot of folks don't know the cemetery used to be a slave flat slave plantation back in the 1700s. But that's where all the slaves are free slaves are buried. And of course, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Glory with Denzel Washington about the 54th Massachusetts. A lot of those guys, colored troops are buried uh-huh. there. And so this woman gets up and she asks a question and she's laughing while she asks it and she goes oh excuse me spencer i say yes ma'am she goes <laughs> are you related to any of the slaves here wow and i remember i look at garrett because he was on the on the on the ride with me and i look at him and he kind of like tips his hat like told you and i will never forget that moment it don't matter how smart you are how intelligent you still a nigga <laughs> like how intelligent you are it does not matter so that was my point in sharing that story man is why it bothers me so much when i see black folks just going at each other you know what i mean like especially yeah. you know y'all black men and women our age you know just you know arguing about shit calling each other's names and all this other stuff and i'm like dog and i think it's because i worked in a cemetery that i just know how precious life is and how fast life goes you know you see the funeral you see the family there you know the big band and the procession and the 21 gun salute and all this other shit what you don't see is they got the burial team waiting around the corner family leaves put their ass in the ground on to the next one you know what i'm saying so to waste our living breathing years you know what i'm saying bitching at each other about stupid shit like you know what i mean like it's whether we're bragging about being in the hood or bragging about being you know making over a hundred thousand you know what i'm saying it's like did you see that stupid ass debate i forgot what the girl's name was but she had said something like something about a she wouldn't date a bus driver or something yeah i saw that shit and how mad black people got just that one little opinion that she had which is hers and she owns it you know what I'm saying? Now, I, I, I don't understand how niggas get in arguments about somebody else's preferences. Now, what I didn't like is that she somewhat made it made a subliminal implication or really an incontrovertible implication that like somehow being a bus driver was subpar. She tried to clean it up after she got called out. I caught that shit. But yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the thing about social media. Once you say something the first time, it's, it's out there. Is out there, you know what I mean? And she tried to backtrack, like, nah, you kind of made it seem like, you know. Nah, so, so no, like with that whole that whole interview, because I know we about to get up out of here in a second. But yeah, Lord, that, you know, it's past yeah, my bedtime, yeah, you know. Yeah, but now, like, so real quick, so two things. Um, because I, I remember what I told you, remind me about, so I could tell you this ratchet ass story before we did. Oh yeah, the but, feminists, uh, the feminists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, <laughs> but no, uh, but that was that right, that whole that whole exchange of a of an interview, like because that goes back to what you're saying about elitism yeah i mean like and no one's putting her down because of how much money she makes and everything but she this is what it comes to with the whole dynamic of women and men today like men as as we as we date we we can date beneath us and we won't have a problem with it like if a woman does not have the same amount of money the same accolades we do or whatever we're not tripping off that shit as long as you are a good woman and you can make me happy we good with that whereas a lot of women are like, oh, I got a degree. He got to have a degree. I got, I make a hundred thousand. He got to make a hundred thousand or more. You know what I mean, and, and 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 that that interview is a testament to that mindset of a woman. Um, excuse me. Um, a woman will not take a peasant and turn them into a king, 
while a <laughs> while a a king will take a peasant and will turn them into a queen. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but you know, I've, I've heard no, that I've heard that narrative a lot. You know what I mean? And I and I anybody who listens to this, uh, you know this this production that I got this project this podcast, they know um, how I you know how I present these type of topics, and I'm definitely you know not disagreeing with you man and it's like you know i listen to that uh, i listen to these narratives and it, it sucks because in the very beginning of our conversation you know mm-hmm. when you're talking about black fatherhood and how the media makes it look you know bad about you know black men don't take care of their children i feel like social media is another tool that makes black women and black men alike look bad yes um, i agree wholeheartedly that's like um, just like what you saying with the whole thing with uh with um what was it uh where with uh, reality TV, like bro, yeah. like when you said that shit, I'm thinking like, I remember back in the day, the guy like when at least when I was a kid in high school, whatever, the guys would be the ones fighting, the girls would be like, no, don't fight, don't fight, chill. And now, <laughs> yeah, now yeah. loving hip hop got every bitch fighting each other all time, <laughs> anything, and the niggas be sitting there like, yo, what is going on? But yeah, um, but, yeah. but not, nah, but I get, I do agree to your point. Um, social media does ha- social media is definitely a tool that makes everybody that's because it's so accessible and because everybody follows so many trends, it does make us look like you know a certain it doesn't pick a certain picture of black people, black men and women. But that's not everybody. My only gripe with that is if you if that's your preference, that's your preference. Do your thing, but do not try to force your idea your ideals on others. Like there don't, it goes. Like, like there don't it try goes. to force yeah. what what you think balances in a relationship. Like people be like, oh, I'm not going fifty fifty with no nigga. If I go fifty fifty with a nigga, then he my roommate. He ain't my man. That's fine. If that's what you want to think. Fine. Fifty fifty ain't always about finance. Fifty fifty could be. You know, I'm I cooked. You wash dishes. You know what I mean like I wash clothes. You fold them. Like we yeah. put the bitch, we, we you, I take care of us with you, you know. Like we pay these bills together. Whatever the case is, balance looks different for everybody. Fifty fifty is not all about money, and if that's her preference, that's her preference. Just don't be mad when you're forty and single because because of your preference, <laughs> you block your blessing. Like every every move, every every move, every decision you make has a consequence of a positive and negative. My whole thing yeah. is like wh- whatever your decisions are, you know, just deal with the consequences that come with them, whether they're good or bad. Don't like again, like don't let your preferences block your blessing. Don't let your mindset of what's trendy and shit block your blessing. Because you have all this money in the world, men, men and women. You have all the money and success you want, but if you ain't got nobody to share that shit with, you lost. Yeah. Yeah, man. Look, I I couldn't agree more. You know, I'm in. I think it's like you know, I I, you know, I don't talk about dating much now. Uh, because of course, I mean, I do not like, but what I mean, I don't talk about it much now is I guess maybe I'm so like in, 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 in it with my lady, you know, it's going to be a, ne- a year next week. And, you know, I'm thinking about, Woo! you know, this, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> I'm thinking about the shit we've been through in just a year, bro. Like, you know, and I, you know, I'm not going to put our business out there, but it has been days where I have been you know i've hit rock bottom like i don't want to get out of bed and this that and the third but she feels worse so whatever strength i have i have to use to pick her up and she's done the same for me i know good men good brothers you know what i'm saying who have been you know just kind of like just looked over shitted on for whatever reason you know what i'm saying i've experienced it i know i know you've experienced it I, we we know good brothers who've experienced it, you know, because of what social media says. And I think like what you like, you know, 
um, now that I'm on the topic, I think that's what bothers me the most is in speaking of like my current relationship is that like there are a lot of people that if they knew, you know, the support that my lady and had my lady and I have for each other, they would look at it, be like, oh, well, no, nah, you're not supposed to do by what standards, by whose, by theirs, by exactly. The point is, is the fact that like I fucking hate gender roles. You know what I'm saying? Matter yeah. of fact, I was blown as shit. I went to go uh, buy a hat at Target. You know, I like my hats. And it was a hat that said gender roles are dead. But they wouldn't let me buy that shit because Target's taking all this shit like that off the shelf, which is stupid. Another point is, is that like I like we're, we're piggybacking off of yours. I just can't stand when I see someone dictate one's relationship by their standards. And 99 percent of the time, the person who thinks a couple is doing something wrong is not with anybody which is the most hilarious irony in the damn world you know what i'm saying yeah i think um, people get giving relationship advice to somebody in that relationship. yeah because it's like bro like if you knew the tears and 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 shit that me and my lady have been and it's all been external i don't mean that bullshit oh well you know one of us cheated on each other that just like man ain't nobody cheating on nobody it's all external shit we've dealt with you know what yeah. I'm saying? But it's like, yo, like you can't just and I ain't gonna lie, bro. It'd be shit that I don't feel like doing. Like, can you do this? Can you do that? I'd be like, Ugh. all right. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't feel like doing it, but like, you know, she she needs the support. It'd be times where I'd be kind of feeling fucked up and she do the same thing. You know what I'm saying? So, but if other people saw it, oh well, you said, all right, man, mind your single ass business. And okay. you know, stay the fuck over there. But anyway, real quick, man, what was the story, story you said you had? Oh. To tell All right, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> All right, so boom. If you watch my Instagram, um, if you watch my Instagram, yeah, you know I mean, you see, I work out with a group of guys, um, right? All right, well, actually, no, this, you know, I'm mixing stories up now. Shit, I'm a tired ass. Okay, so no, this is <laughs> this is some years ago. So, um, so now, but some mom, something, but these still my frat brothers, nonetheless. But this is years ago. Um, so I have one of my homies, and he had a, a homegirl who was like, she's a feminist, right? And so Shorty um, came came up here from uh, from Atlanta for the weekend or whatever, because she's like, oh, it's my homeboy. I ain't see him in a minute. Kicked it with him, whatever. All right, cool. Mm -hmm. So she telling niggas she, he, she a feminist. But he told us, he was like, yo, this is my best eater. Like, Shorty was like the best head monster he ever had in life, and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> But that's but they but they that was back in the day, but now they friends and shit. All right, cool, whatever. So he told niggas what is up what was up with Shorty. That weekend while we were out, like niggas really like basically like hit Shorty. Like she ran through like four niggas. Damn. Um <laughs> so like 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 when I say um like when niggas hit Shorty, I mean like boom. Uh Friday night, we had a spot. And she meet one of my homeboys. She said, "Hey, is he a is he a good person?" I said, "He's a great." I said, "All right." And I, my drunk ass was talking. I said, "Are you saying this with intent to fuck him tonight?" She said, "Yeah." I said, "In that case, he's a." I said, "In that case, he's a great motherfucker." And so, so, so then I wound up hearing the next day, like, "Yeah, he he, you know, he closed that deal." All right, boom. So then the next day, I see Shorty again. And she, all right, we all go to brunch or whatever. We chilling, we talking, we eating. I go about my business, and like niggas wind up going out some more to go drinking shit. 
So one of my other bo- one of the bo- one of my boys that that came out the night with one of my frat brothers that hit shorty, he wound up pulling in the bathroom and catching the neck and cracking her. I'm like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> and so, and so, and so later on that so later on that evening we was like, yo, you know what? As a group, we going out, we going to the movies, then we gonna go to dinner, we gonna this, we gonna do that. We we having a ball, we having a great fucking time, right? And. I see her with my other homeboy. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And, and I text, I'm trying to call his phone. I'm texting him, calling him, telling him, like, link at the spot or whatever. And he like, he answering. So this nigga texted me, said, yo, I'm about to get some hair real quick. I'm going to talk to you later. <laughs> him or Shorty didn't link the spot at all. He came back with a whole smile on so He's like, yo, she fucked up my sheesh. Everything was crazy. Da-da-da-da-da-da. But all that to say, I think she says, I think she uses the guise of she's a feminist and she can do what she wants. She rejects certain ideals to be a slut. All right, y'all. Thank y'all for tuning in on another episode. <laughs> That's my thing, man. You know about about the isms or about certain lifestyles. It's like, oh, I'm a feminist, but I can do this because, or I'm a polygamist, but only when, like, <laughs> it's like, like, nah, man. You either gotta be hot or you gotta be cold, dog. Which one is it? You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, man. Look, I we we could share stories all night, man. You getting tired? I'm tired. Matter of fact, this is probably the latest I've ever recorded. But you, my man, so you know I make an exception. I appreciate it, player. I appreciate it. Yeah, we ain't in college no more, man. Actually, well, I can't say that because I was in bed early in college too. So you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Whatever. See, you you been old man for years, then, yo. Hey, yeah, man, yeah, man. But uh, I definitely appreciate you coming on here, man. Um, it was. Pretty much everything I thought it was going to be a little, you know, a little uh, intellectual stuff, a little ratchet stuff. You know, that time you that, that part you brought up about just having a little bit of sex, you know, just a, just just a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's probably my favorite. It was, it was, a, yeah, it was a pinch. Hey, just, just a pinch. Just a, just a pinch, you know. But nah, man, I definitely appreciate it. But on that note, thank you all once again for tuning in on another episode of the Morally and Intellectually Ingenuous, Sometimes Disingenuous podcast where... We talk about morally and intellectually ratchet things. <laughs> um, the, perfect, the perfect episode. Yeah, man. I had my boy on, you know, my man, Alex. You know how tired I am. I was about to, have to say I had my boy Cap Alpha Psy on. Uh, I mean, you, know, you wouldn't be wrong. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, you know, but, you know, I'd. I was, fuck it, man. Whatever. Anyway, man, <laughs> thank y'all for tuning in on another episode of the Morally Blah 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 podcast. Uh, um, hi, man. <laughs> <laughs>